I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, the author of 15 books, the subject of a wonderful documentary. She's wonderful, and and she's the subject of a long radio series. Now she is the host of her own show, the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much, uh, Frank. And how are you? Well, I'm I'm doing great. And and I I'd ask you this, and it, it's going to come across flippant, but how is how is Texas? Is uh, is what the better question is? And uh, it's it's sounding like 1950 in certain places and 1940 yes, and everything else. Absolutely, uh, yes. It's uh, back to Jim Crow as far as voting is concerned. And back to anti-abortion, uh, abortion being outlawed, uh, which was also back to the 50s. Um, so uh, uh, I'd say retro, retrograde uh, politics are raining down on us here in Texas. And uh, there is a large population in Texas that doesn't cotton to that, and I'm one of them. Uh, and, the, and what I want to talk about uh, today, Frank, is uh, this abortion law. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it, turning back the clock. It is. Uh, it, it, it certainly is, scary. is. Yes. Very scary. Yes. Well, of course, the Republicans. Uh, I don't know when they took up this cudgel. I think it's uh, it's uh, since Trump came to power. Uh, they uh, are catering to the religious right, uh, and the religious right, of course, wants to abolish Roe v. Wade and uh, the right to abortion. And I'm extremely strong, uh, a pro-choicer, and I have a very, I've had a good experience in my life that has given me the conviction that a woman must have the choice to control her own body. Otherwise, you, she isn't even considered human, because the definition of a human being is uh, freedom to choose one's path in life. And even the most conservative Catholic will agree that you're free to choose to be sinful if you wish, because you're you're damning yourself. But at least nobody is prohibiting you from sinning. Standing there in the government telling you it is illegal to <laughs> to uh, to uh, commit a sin, and uh, uh, you're you're free to do it. If if you're a man, you're free to sin as much as you want. But a woman, oh no, we can't allow her to be free to do what uh, she wants with, it, with her own body. Uh, and therefore, I think this reduces women to the status of non-human, yeah. just subhuman a little bit. Yeah, uh, terrible. Because I mean, just only terrible. the government can tell the woman what to do. The woman can't understand uh, what she's doing, and therefore she's... Uh, uh, she's being controlled from the outside like a puppet. Yeah, amazing to me. And I'll just say this, 
thank God I've never had to uh, make a decision on abortion or, or uh, not abortion, uh, life or choice. Uh, thank God. And, I, you know, again, I, I would have obviously, like most people, I would think, a very difficult time doing that. But one yes. thing I felt— And from so would I. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. The one thing I—, I throughout my whole life is what business is it of mine to tell another person what to do with their body and what they right. should do with their body and I, I thought it was absolutely uh, 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 arcane to think that, that people would tell women what to do with their body. They would never get away with it with men. I, I mean, we're, not, we're watching people talk about masks uh, as taking away their liberties. What about taking away their liberties of, of this, of procreation? It's just, uh, to me, it's just, uh, it, it, it's amazing. And they would never get away with it if they were prohibiting a man from doing something to his body. Yes, and uh, these days people are even choosing to risk death rather than wear a mask because wearing a mask infringes upon their freedom. (laughs) And at the same time, they're endangering everybody else uh, as they breathe in the COVID virus from somebody else uh, who is not wearing a mask nor has been vaccinated and then breathe it out on the next guy. Uh, So uh, their freedom is freedom to die and to kill other people. Uh, right. It's it's absurd, but uh, they want to take away, as you say, they want to take away a woman's freedom to choose what she's going to be doing with her own body and her own sexuality. Uh, so uh, anyway, I have a whole story about this that I would like to tell the listeners. Please. Uh, I was uh, I was a graduate student at the University of iowa at the time in the philosophy department Um, i had just graduated from uh, a college in missouri at park park university now it was park college then with a ba in modern languages but i was interested in theology and philosophy and uh, i decided i would take graduate courses in philosophy with the uh, idea that I would become a teacher because that would be the only way to to make a living with a degree in philosophy. <laughs> right. So that's where I was and what I was doing. Uh, so shall I go on with the story? Yeah. Well, I I, I would. I just want to kind of set the stage. The uh, the year. Uh, just be specific about the year because we're talking about yes. a comparison of we're in two thousand and twenty one now. Right, 2021. That's right. The fact that we would, uh, and, and and again, the fact that we would have this kind of throwback. But just be clear about the year that you're talking about. Yes, absolutely. I will be. Um, now, let me just talk about this law for a minute that's just gone through in uh, uh, in Texas. It is now no longer legal to have an abortion after the sixth week. Of pregnancy. Now, personally, my periods were always spaced uh, so, some six weeks apart. So if I had gotten preg- pregnant, I wouldn't have known it until at least the eighth or ninth week because I probably wouldn't even think to check on the seventh week because my periods were sometimes late. 
So right. I'm sure there are other women in Texas who uh, who are in that same boat. Thousands, and who I'm sure, thousands. Can never, never get an abortion because they won't know until it's already too late. Uh, so this is unless you want to go right after you've had your period and you go to the doc and have the doc tell you there's no heartbeat, there's no heartbeat, there's no heartbeat. Oh, there's a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, if you if you do that, spend the money and time to do that, then you might catch it uh, before the sixth week is uh, is finished, or yeah. right at that point. Uh, but it's the most draconian law uh, in the uh, in the repertory, and uh, it is, uh, of course, it contravenes Roe v. Wade, which happens to be the law of the land, and this is a Texas law, and yet the Sp- Supreme Court, which is, of course, uh, heavily, heavily uh, weighted towards the extreme right, uh, has allowed it to pass into law in Texas because the Supreme Court is probably going to overturn Roe v. Wade eventually. Mm. Now, my story takes place in 19, either 1954, uh, if, it, if this was befo- just before December, then it was I was 20 years old at the time. I had graduated from college at the age of 20. And um, on December 3rd, my birthday, I became 21. So it it was a winter. It was in the winter, so it could have been either or. That was my age at the time. And, of course, abortion was illegal throughout the country at that time. I had a friend, first of all, I was a graduate student, and I uh, was not living in the dormitories. They had no uh, no space for grad, grad students in the dorms, so all of us uh, had to find rooms out in Iowa City. Um, this was the University of Iowa I was going to. And uh, I had found a room in a very large old Victorian house that had all kinds of rooms. It had the two, two stories and the entire upper floor was given over to uh, two rooms for rent and there was a little kitchen and so forth. Uh, well, I got a room downstairs, um, which was most convenient. I was the only one downstairs. So I could uh, seal myself off and do my studies. But I got to know the, the, the women, all women, uh, upstairs, and I liked one in particular, and her name was Millie. And Millie was a nurse at the university hospital. Millie was intelligent. She was charismatic. She was, um, I'd say, courageous, uh, enterprising. But she was handicapped in a way that kept her from really uh, becoming some something great, because she was a hunchback, mm. and she was severely hunchbacked. So she was bent, bent forward, and she was undersized and very thin. And she got pregnant. She was too friendly with a janitor 
of course, she didn't expect to have any kind of romance in her life. Uh, and this uh, young man apparently took to her, probably because of her kindness and proficiency. And she was a little too kind to him. Yeah. And uh, he got her pregnant. And she and he happened to be a Down syndrome person also. And so she was terrified that this baby... Uh, once she knew she was pregnant, uh, that this baby would have Down syndrome or be uh, be hunchbacked, one or both, but there would be something very wrong with this child. And she decided that it was not fair to bring uh, a baby into this world under those circumstances, and so she was going to have an abortion. And she she didn't tell anyone about it except me. Uh, obviously, I had shown uh, kindness and and real friendship to to her, and she knew she could trust me. And so she told me that she had an appointment in St. Paul, Minnesota, which is uh, the the closest really big city to Iowa City. Uh, but it's about uh, it's 180 miles or something like that uh, away. And she asked me if I could drive her because she didn't have a car and uh, she was afraid that she would not be able to drive. She could drive, but she was afraid that she wouldn't be able to after the abortion. And uh, so I agreed. And uh, we took off one afternoon and drove for hours to get to St. Paul, and it was dusk by the time we got there. And we came into the uh, ex- the uh, exurb, the, the outskirts of the city, uh, in an industrial sort of place. There was one business after the other, and when we got a little further, the the little stores were uh, were built right one one next you know one stuck to the other, abutting the other one, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and they all had awnings over the sidewalk and so on. And uh, she said, "This this is the block. This is where I get out." And so I pulled over and stopped, and she got out and she told me drive around a a few of the blocks don't just drive around the block because that would be too obvious but drive slowly around four blocks or five or six and come back and check Uh, don't expect me to be out for at least uh, 40 or 45 minutes uh, and I will be standing right here in this same spot when you pick me up and then we'll just drive home And so that's she then disappeared into the shadows there. I, I know that that was not where the doctor's office was. But obviously this doctor was doing abortions illegally and risking his career in order to do so. But uh, as it turned out, he was a very efficient and good doctor and a kindly one. But I never met him, obviously, because I was driving around that uh, five or six block uh, area very slowly. And I was frightened that I would be picked up by the police. Uh, so uh, that was another reason to uh, to drive around uh, an irregular pattern. 
Um, and so I was doing that when a cop, I uh, could see a police car crossing, uh, turning into the street I was on, uh, about three blocks behind me. And I, uh, I was going very slowly, uh, but I went to the next block and turned. And uh, the, the uh, policeman did not turn in that same, uh, on that same street. So I kept, uh, went back around then and kept doing that every, so every, probably every 20 minutes or so, I would pass by the, uh, the store awning where she had gotten out. And of course, she wasn't there. So time passed, and I was getting frightened. I was uh, worried that something might have happened. She might have hemorrhaged. Something bad, anything bad could have happened under these circumstances. And uh, about an hour and a quarter, I would say, or an hour and a half, perhaps, afterwards, after I'd been driving and driving, uh, there she was. And so I, <clears throat> I helped her. She got into the <clears throat> the back of the car because she uh, she was hurting. Hmm. Uh, I was hurting her bad, and so she lay down. And uh, she said, "Well, uh, it went as well as expect as we could expect. So uh, let's get home so that I can uh, get some uh, uh, some pain medicine and and try to get through the night." So. Um, Apparently, uh, the baby was still inside, uh, so he had severed the baby from from the wall of the uterus, mm. so she would be passing the baby, having a miscarriage, essentially, yeah. <clears throat> sometime either during the night or the next day. So anyway, or it could come while we were on the road. We just didn't know. Wow. So there was very little conversation on the way back. Uh, both of us were very tense, and uh, she was uh, in a lot of pain. Uh, but I got her back uh, to the, to the uh, boarding house and uh, got her upstairs and in bed, and then spent a, a good time. Of course, that was probably around 2 in the morning by then. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, uh, so I got uh, very little sleep, and I know she got none, I imagine. Uh, and uh, she told me later that she had uh, had her miscarriage during the following day and was able to, uh, she had called in sick to the hospital. Uh, so she got a day off one day, and she, then she went back to work the following day. But those were the conditions Wow. Uh, that prevailed in those days in the 1950s. Well, let me just and we're going yeah. to go back to the same thing if Roe v. Wade is is stricken down, struck down. And so I am hoping and praying that it will not happen because uh, women must be able to choose under uh, desperate circumstances or uh, well I think I don't think abortions are taken are taken very lightly I, I don't think women choose to have an abortion just on because they don't feel like having a baby uh, it's a matter of of uh, stress a terribly terribly stressful situation an impossible situation that drives a woman to do that yeah 
So uh, not allowing the woman to make that choice in in desperation seems to me the the most inhuman thing imaginable. You know, can I just a couple of a quick points here, and and, and yes, even in please. the form of questions, mm-hmm. uh, Millie. First of all, I, I mean, what what a life um, she was having already, and and to have to make this decision. And uh, it, it sounded like a, a fairly easy decision, not easy, but I mean, like she, it was a decisive decision. It wasn't like she was going to, oh, maybe I'll keep the baby or maybe I wouldn't. Um, under the circumstances, she, she sounds like she made a, 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 a decisive decision. That part right. is difficult as it is. I, think about what she just went through. She was in the back waiting in the back of the car, right? She was in the, laying down in the back of the car. And mm-hmm. and waiting to have a miscarriage, and the question I have for you is: when she did pass the uh, the, the the dead baby, the uh, the miscarried yeah. baby, uh, did she go to the hospital then as the uh, as the the victim of a of a miscarriage, or was she afraid that they would they would know exactly what it was and uh, and she could be prosecuted? Did she have to That's handle right. the miscarriage no, herself? She- she took care of herself. Being a nurse, right? Uh, I'm sure she had read up on all the possibilities and knew what to do, uh, and probably had access to the, the proper uh, painkillers and other measures uh, that uh, she would need to take. Uh, can you I just don't imagine? Think she needed stitches or anything like that. So uh, can can you just imagine she, if she wasn't a nurse? Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. You know, imagine if she wasn't a nurse, and then she would have to uh, go to a doctor, and uh, and who knows, the doctor might denounce her, and uh, so now it might report uh, her to the authorities and and yeah, have her come right. here in Iowa. I mean, that's pretty, you know, it's pretty uh, conservative area, I, I assume. Yes. And and the other the other point is here you are. I thought you, in in this story, and I've heard this story before. Um, that you, 20-year-old uh, uh, Florence, if I could go back in time and hug her and tell her what a heroic figure you are for for doing this, for taking this chance. I, I mean, uh, you talk about an unpleasant task. No, you're talking about a dangerous task where you could, you know, you, you get some crazy judge throw, throw you in jail as a, an accessory to, to murder or manslaughter or, uh, you know, yeah. some type of thing like that. And and the other thought I had is as you're circling that five block radius or the the area and you're going back every 20 minutes, uh, do you imagine if she didn't show and you had to go looking right. for her and right. and and the doctor and you know you you got to sympathize with the doctor here the doctor is pr- providing a service that was uh, was and I don't know him from a hole in the wall right I don't know anything you, you really didn't give us any background you probably have very little background on this doctor but he's taking a chance uh, of going to jail for well not only losing his license but maybe going to jail for murder of uh, the murder of the the child the right. unborn child mm-hmm. but do you imagine if she did hemorrhage and and she died what does the doctor do at that point? Does the doctor, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, uh, it, he probably said, how did you get here? A friend brought me, and she's uh, she's traveling around. Does he try to hide out from you? Does he try to dispose of the body? He becomes, in essence, a criminal because the laws are making him a criminal, 
not because he <laughs> would, you know, he's got to make a decision. Is he making a decision, you know, is his family, and I don't know if he has a family, right, but is his family gonna, uh, is go- going to survive with him going to jail for murder or him losing his license as a doctor? Uh, poor, uh, poor Millie uh, could have uh, hemorrhaged of no fault to the doctor. He could have right. done everything absolutely perfect, but you're turning... This heroic twenty-year-old, you, young Florence, and you're turning this uh, this doctor and Millie, a hunchback who had a sexual relationship with a, uh, a or at least a, a sexual encounter with a, a man who had Down syndrome, and you're turning the three of these pe- people into uh, into criminals because of an yeah. arcane law in 1950-something. Uh, can you imagine the same scenario passing now? And, uh, and I just, I, I, I just, I, I, I quiver at the thought, and, and I, it sends chills up my spine, that what you had to do in, uh, in 19, this isn't 1850, this is 1950. I mean, this is, uh, yeah. you know, 19, this is, this is post World War Two. This is Korea. This is you know col- you know TV is is uh, is in play at this point. This isn't the cave days, but it's 1950, and it may as well have been the cave days for young Florence, for Millie, poor Millie. I mean, I just I, I, I it's heartbreaking, and, and then you know uh, of course uh, you know people uh, people listening that might be on both sides might have less sympathy for the doctor, but let's put it in perspective. Can you imagine? Being in 2022, you know, 2021, 2022, in the state of Texas, with the internet, with the uh, with with smartphones, with uh, with a uh, a modern world, we're living in the space where uh, space age. Can you imagine a young Florence or a young Millie uh, recreating that situation in 2021 or 2022? Absolutely. Well, actually, in Texas, it may happen now because uh, anyone, anyone who observes any other person aiding and abetting uh, an abortion uh, will be uh, will be uh, the person observing this can, and therefore uh, can put the uh, the person like me, like uh, little Florence at twenty, in jail for having driven Millie to the abortionist, uh, or if, uh, if I made the call to the doctor, if I aided in any way and somebody finds out about it who is pro-life and denounces me and sues me, uh, I would be uh, a criminal uh, today, right now in Texas. So there we are. We're back in the 50s. Do you want to hear uh, something that just occurred to me? And I've got to watch how I say it because it sounds uh, almost insensitive, but I'll say it anyway. The the politics behind this is is unbelievable. And uh, not just, you know, the religious right or whatever, but Texas. And, and again, I know this is the, the lesser of the points. Uh, the, the point is is a woman's right to choose and a woman's right to pre-create, uh, procreate the way she chooses. Um, but, but think about it. If Texas uh, makes b- uh, abortion an illegal act, you may get all the 
all the progressive young women, all the uh, not even progressive, you know, moderate young women, uh, even many, uh, many left leaning Republicans leaving Texas for neighboring uh, neighboring areas that don't have anti-abortion laws. And you may right. chase out um, all of the, you know, level headed, all of the uh, all of the pro-choice folks, you may chase them out of of Texas. And uh, and therefore, keeping Texas a solid red state where it's on the verge, it's very much purple at this point, or it's getting to the point where it's it's purple. Um, but there would be no chance for it to be anything but a red state if they pass this law. Yes. Does that sound very insensitive? Me even suggesting that? Uh, or no, is that... it's not. It's the truth. Yeah. It's the truth. As far as the laws are concerned, this is turning into a bright red state. Uh, and the voting restrictions also uh, are such that uh, we're back at the Jim Crow uh, era uh, because uh, black people often have time have trouble getting time off from work uh, to uh, vote on a Tuesday. Uh, and of course, we have to vote on a Tuesday, not on a weekend. Um, and mail-in voting uh, now requires a, a photographic uh, identification, and I don't know what else. Um, I'm wondering if I have to send in my birth certificate too. Uh, but, <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> but in any case, black people are going to have trouble because a lot of them don't have access. They don't have a way of uh, getting a t- uh, phone, uh, a, a, a picture identification, uh, which would be a driver's license or some other document that uh, that uh, that needs a photo. Uh, uh, and um, let's see what else. Uh, oh yes, no, uh, mail-in voting becomes more difficult. You have to request it. Now, I have uh, been uh, over 65 for many years now, and uh, uh, Texas used to just automatically send me a mail-in ballot. Uh, But apparently I'm going to have to ask for it now, Uh, even though I've established a record of voting that way for many, many years. uh, I'll have to, at a certain time, I'll have to request it. And if I don't ask for it, then my vote is... No, I mean obviously I will not be able to vote if I don't get my name in the pot there quickly, um, and uh, of course I have to uh, submit my driver's license, which has a photo. Um, and as I say, there may be something else that I would have to submit in order to uh, mail in a ballot. And there will be no uh, no uh, boxes uh, in San Antonio. Maybe there will be one box. For the entire city of, uh, of a couple of million people here uh, in Greater San Antonio, um, and a lot of people have no access. Uh, if, if perchance uh, they can't mail in a ballot, then uh, then they won't be, and they can't get to the poll. Um, then they may may not be able to vote, and the polls uh, the polls are being shifted around suddenly. Also, this is another thing. Uh, I went. Uh, we had the, uh, an interim election not too long ago, and I discovered that the uh, normal polling place had been moved. Um, and I didn't. There was no announcement of that, so I had to go there and find it out. And uh, the people who ride buses, for instance, to get to the polls would be 
uh, marooned in the wrong place, uh, and on and on. I mean, there are barriers after barriers to voting now, uh, and there are no uh, no uh, uh, 24-hour voting, no voting by car. Uh, anything that made voting easier and more convenient has been outlawed. So there's that. Um, and so uh, black and brown people are the ones who are going to be uh, mainly shut out of voting, which is the whole idea. And, of course, they are busy gerrymandering the state worse than it was before. So that, uh, the representatives from, uh, uh, from democratic areas will be few and far between now, and they may be able to just simply gerrymander us. Uh, uh, the uh, House of Representatives back into the Republican column and also the Senate by gerrymandering it that way. Um, Mm. So there you are. I mean, Texas is really going to uh, to the extreme right as fast as it can go. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I I never thought and, well, I'd say maybe over the last couple years i maybe uh, it would occur to me but i never thought and i never dreamt that we would have a conversation like this or that i would have a uh, a conversation like this that's not sci-fi or, or science fiction or fantasy or something <laughs> right this is yeah. it, it, this is the twilight zone this is the twilight zone this is something that that you you would uh, hear somebody saying it's oh that's liberal progressive propaganda that's never going to happen i've said myself i i I can't believe i've said these words but i've said myself oh don't worry they're never going to turn back abortion laws they're never going to go back to there i said that as a reasonable educated human being i said uh you know they they'll never even if they get the even if they get the votes on supreme court they're never going to do it the public would never accept it that you know and i believe that uh, to my core and the fact that we're talking about the largest state, uh, uh, Texas, uh, the, the giant that Texas is, population-wise, size-wise, that abortion could become illegal. It, a woman's right to choose could be illegal in a state the size of Texas, where one at one time people wanted to be the nation of Texas, the Lone Stars. I, I, it is... It's the twilight zone. Yeah, it was it was a nation for ten years there back right. in the nineteenth century, uh, but it was uh, it was pretty a pretty chaotic situation during those ten years, and uh, it was easy for uh, for the uh, legislative legislators at the time to decide that they might as well go under the umbrella of the United States. So that's what happened. I think President Polk was still in office when we got absorbed back, or rather got absorbed into the Union. But yeah. uh, we essentially were stolen from Mexico. <laughs> so yeah. That's what Santa Ana, uh, um, <laughs> poor Santa Ana with a terrible reputation, that's what he was trying to do was to keep Texas in as part of Mexico, which it had been all along. Um, yeah. Well, I, but, yeah. now yeah. you know. At this point, you might 
uh, you might start wishing it was part of <laughs> its own country at this point. Maybe they wouldn't get away. Or maybe it would be even more oppressive yeah. at that point. Yeah, but. very likely. <laughs> it never would have uh, legalized abortion in the first place. <laughs> but I, I wonder if they're, they're trying to, you know, the, the right wing, Part of, and, and again, I mean, it sounds so diabolical, but I'm wondering if the extreme right wing is actually thinking, let's chase out, let's chase out all the young progressives. Uh, let's, uh, you know, let's make these arcane laws. I mean, the laws on, on that uh, are going to affect the voting and that are going to highly affect people of color are, uh, are in, insane. I mean, what they did, we should make things easier for people to vote, not more difficult to vote. I mean, as, you know, we, we should have, I, I mean, look, I'll, I'll stop short of saying that we should have Internet voting because, you know, some 14-year-old elect himself, um, you know, governor of uh, North Dakota, you know, some, you know, but uh, we, we really should make things as easy as possible. Weekend voting, uh, early voting. Um, you know, absentee balloting, you should have no excuse, just uh, I want to vote by absentee, paper ballot, uh, all of this mm-hmm. that, uh, that, was, uh, that was pointed out during the pandemic, at the worst of the pandemic, should also be, um, you know, included now. We should learn from that, and we should make it as easy as possible for people to vote. And the uh, outcome be damned. Whatever happens, that's democracy, right? I mean, if if our residents vote, everyone who is allowed to vote, legally allowed to vote, should be allowed to vote, and and as early as they possibly can, or as late, you know, as as legal, uh, and 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 any form that they they should, and that's how our democracy is is best served by the uh, by the people. Uh, that are allowed to vote for them to be involved in the process. This this um, suppressing the vote is uh, is disgraceful. It, it it harkens back to Jim Crow. Well, and of course they uh, they are still claiming, although there's no evidence for it, but they're still claiming that there was a massive fraud uh, that this past election. Uh, was f- so fraudulent that we have a uh, phony president in office right now, and Joe Biden is not the real president. Trump is yeah. still. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and they believe this. At least they're pretending to believe this because it gives them the license to pass all these incredibly draconian laws against voting to see if they can. Uh, uh, that prevent people from uh, from doing that, which means that they are destroying uh, the democratic process. They are trying to turn this into an autocracy, this country, and uh, they're doing a pretty good job of it. Uh, and actually, since all of these uh, voting restriction laws are similar, and some of them are verbatim from one state to another, it is clear that there is an agency behind it all, which is an extreme right agency, a very wealthy agency, and that it is definitely trying to destroy the United States as a democracy. Amazing, absolutely amazing, and and you're right there in the uh, in in the. I was going to say deep in the heart of Texas, <laughs> not geographically, maybe not, but you're right there. 
in Texas, and you have a great state, a wonderful state, but boy, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to live there now. I mean, when I, we haven't even gotten into mask yeah. uh, mandates and how they're being ignored in in uh, in different places, uh, you know, around your state. Uh, you know, there's. I just Googled it a little bit in anticipation of us uh, us speaking, but there's um, there's all kinds of controversy going on, and uh, Governor Abbott, I guess, will will just placate the right, uh, solidify his base, and and work on getting himself reelected, which is his seems to be his only goal. Oh yes, well, uh, he's certainly appealing to the uh, to the pro-Trump base, uh, and. Uh, buying into all all of these conspiracy theories, uh, as well as, of course, uh, uh, banning masks for school kids uh, so that uh, the, the little kids are going to school and are, are prohibited by the governor to, of uh, wearing masks. And there is a, a huge clash going on in Texas there uh, because the school uh, superintendents are mandating masks in contravention of uh, Abbott's order. And so uh, Abbott has cut off funding, and uh, so has Governor DeSantis. He, too, has cut off funding to some of the schools who have mandated masks. Hmm. Amazing. Amazing. What what those governors are doing is actually uh, starving the little children because the school doesn't have enough money to provide lunches for them, for instance. Um, (laughs) Does the word shameless come to mind at all when you you hear things (laughs) like this? Of course. (laughs) Shameless and uh, and simply cruel, uh, inhuman. You know, I mean, look, you know, if if you uh, go back, you know, you go back uh, a, a year, um, you know, a, a couple of years back, uh, the south part of your great state there. And, and you know, again, you have a great state, no question. But on, on that southern border there, you had children basically in cages, kids in cages. And and yeah. uh, just, uh, you know, amazing to me where we're going as a society and and Texas is uh and again i mean this with the greatest respect and i know a lot of people listening to us are in texas and uh and and there's people who love texas and you love texas and you love san antonio thank god you have a great mayor over there forward thinking uh, good man um but i'll tell you what uh, i i wouldn't live in texas if you paid me if you paid me (laughs) uh a ridiculous amount of money it it is it is bizarro land, and it is it is 1950 or before, and uh, yes. very uncaring, very uncaring, very, um, very I, I, I don't even cold uh, Texas. And when I think of Texas, I think of harshness. I think I told you once that when my two oldest boys and my wife and I uh, traveled, uh, we we got the you know the the kids to all you know 48. Um, 
uh, continental states. And when we were doing our tour around, we did a, um, a, a town, maybe it was Marshall, Texas or something like that. But we just it was somewhere near Oklahoma, maybe or Louisiana. I, I can't remember. It was around the Mardi Gras uh, time. And our kids uh, were young and and I didn't know how much they knew about Texas. But when we we would pull in front of the signs of the different states and they would jump out and they would take we would take pictures of them and uh and when they got in front of welcome to texas they they uh made like they were shooting us with guns <laughs> like uh you know just there uh, this is an eight-year-old and a a 10-year-old uh doing that they're just pointing like their fingers at us like they're shooting guns at us and that was their first reaction to texas and i guess you know, I guess you think of cowboy movies or westerns or John Wayne in Texas and right, whatever you, know, you do. There's some irony in that because, of course, now also another right-wing law has gone into effect, and that is open carry. Uh, every And there is no restriction on who can buy guns anymore. So oh. every Tom, Dick, Harry, whether he's crazy or, uh, or a former criminal— or whatever can just walk in by a gun and then put it on his hip and carry it uh, uh, to go shopping at the nearest grocery store or something. Uh, so that's that's now a law also. So the kids were right. Yeah. <laughs> Any Tom and Dick shoot each other. <laughs> yeah. Any Tom Dick or Hannibal Lecter that wants to buy a gun could just go to Texas and uh, and buy it. Uh, yes. t- Tom Dick and David Berkowitz that would like to uh, <laughs> Gary Gilmore. I mean, think of any uh, John Wayne. Any Tom Dick or John Wayne Gacy that wants to buy a gun, no problem. Here you go. No background check. No. And here you go. Just open carry. Yep. Amazing. Yep. Uh, well, uh, there was this big sign. I went to uh, to the uh, pulmonologist today uh, to find out why I'm short of breath. And it turns out I have COPD. Oh my God! Uh, but just just learned that about an hour ago. Anyway, um, they had a big sign saying, "We this this office does not allow uh, open carry." So people who are carrying uh, guns openly are not allowed inside this room. Well, listen, first, well, apparently businesses are still free to uh, to pick and choose if they uh, want to allow such people in. And I was happy to see that. But the fact that it's necessary to say that you can't c- come in here with a pistol on your hip or an, an, uh, an AK-15 in your hand, uh, <laughs> uh, the fact that it's necessary is uh, pr- is pretty shocking. Amazing, uh, you know. Well, first of all, uh, you know your your our thoughts and prayers are with you with with the uh, uh, the medical condition, and and I'm I'm sure you trust your doctors in uh, in how to handle it and how to move forward. Uh, but but lastly, before we go, can I ask you for a prediction? What will happen with the uh, the the pro life versus pro pro choice situation in Texas? What do you what do you think the outcome will ultimately be, and when uh, would we see the possibility of uh, of the nightmare of uh, of abortion being illegal in the state of Texas? Ah, well, I think there will be plenty of protests. There, are, the only effective protests would be at the ballot box, but of course we have now these all these restrictive laws on voting. 
uh, in order to prevent people from uh, getting rid of draconian laws like that one. Uh, so my prediction is that uh, a large portion of the population will attempt to uh, to do away with the uh, the present government of the state and uh, vote for the Democrats uh, who who are waiting in the wings. There are plenty of Democrats in Texas, actually, especially in the city centers like uh, San Antonio and Austin. Uh, Dallas and Fort Worth, I think Fort Worth is much less liberal. Uh, It's a cow town, and uh, uh, I think there's a concentration of right-wingers there, but uh, Dallas is sort of half and half, I think. And Houston... Houston has a huge black population, so there's a, a big Democratic concentration there. But the entire uh, rural area uh, tends to go the other way to to the extreme right. So it's uh, it'll be a process. Um, and, and speaking about laws, uh, it strikes me that since Roe v. Wade is still the law of the land, there, I don't, the the Supreme Court just didn't say anything. It didn't express itself one way or another. So I'm wondering if there cannot be a uh, a lawsuit against this law. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. There will be. uh, I'm well. I'm hoping, but the fact is, is that it did go all the way to the Supreme Court, and they allowed it to become law. Uh, would put a damper, I think, on people thinking of suing over it. But I'm ho- hoping and praying that there will be lawsuits over this, and that we might see it uh, at least blocked for. Uh, but the uh, abortion clinics, the uh, the clinics that have uh, uh, have. Uh, given uh, women who've served clinics who've served women uh, who are pregnant in other words family uh, family uh, care and all of that uh, are closing because uh, they know that they will be sued out of existence anyway and uh, so it will be impossible to get an abortion in texas whether it's still legal to do so before uh, uh, before the six week <laughs> before the six week limit or not, and it is so laughable that it's uh, that after six weeks it is illegal because uh, I'd say ninety eight percent ninety eight point nine percent or so of women do not know that they're pregnant before the, uh, the six weeks are up anyway. Yeah. And they don't even suspect it, and so why should they bother uh, checking, you know? I mean, anyway. Amazing. <laughs> We've already been through that. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, we have, we have a lot to talk about in the future. Uh, I, my, my fingers are crossed and my hands are folded praying for you and, and the reasonable people in Texas to uh, survive this, these dr- new draconian laws. But uh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing what you have to go through. Uh, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg, uh, I want to thank you for sharing each and every week. And to everyone out there, um, please watch the documentary, buy the books. She's the author of 15 books. Uh, Dr. Weinberg, thank you very much. 
Thank you, Frank. I've enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. This is Frank McKay signing off. Yes, you will. And we will see you next time on the Florence Weinberg Show. <laughs>